in two, in one. All right, everybody, welcome to episode number 117 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I am your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Now, Chris, I am very excited about tonight's episode because for the first time in BTC history, we're not sticking to one subject in particular. Oh, no, 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 little buddy. We're going to kind of run the gamut on a topic of lost media, and we're going to be examining a couple of different pieces of media that have been lost throughout the years and now have recently been found and have been resurfacing on the internet. But before we get going, let me give a a brief definition of what lost media actually is to our fine listeners. Lost media, Chris, is an umbrella term used to describe examples of media that are non-existent, missing, or unavailable to the general public. As technology advances, these pieces of media, which we once thought to be lost, are now suddenly being refurbished and in turn being re-released. So now, in the year 2023, we have a treasure trove of disturbing media, which people once thought was lost, at our very fingertips. And as we were looking into this, I, I kind of wish some of the uh, things that I was looking up stayed <laughs> lost, Chris, because I'm very <laughs> unnerved by uh, some of the things I had to view in order to prep for this week's episode. So like I said, episode number 117 of the Between the Cracks podcast is going to be all over the place. We're going to be talking about, I don't know, three or four pieces of <laughs> rather disturbing media. Some may be lost, some has recently been found, and and some is out there for everybody's viewing pleasure. So, little buddy, without any further ado, I say it's time we get started on our first (laughs) rather disturbing piece of media that we're going to be talking about tonight. And this one can actually be found on YouTube. Apparently, it was released via a DVD, had gone missing for quite a few years, then was uploaded by a YouTube user, then, oddly enough, disappeared, only to reemerge yet again. Chris, I'm talking about (laughs) the very, very unnerving video entitled, I Feel Fantastic. Which, uh, truth be told, Chris, I felt anything but fantastic (laughs) whilst watching this. Can you please give us a brief synopsis of what the hell this I Feel Fantastic video is all about? Take us back to April 15th of 2009 when this YouTube video, I Feel Fantastic, (laughs) went viral. Fantastic Boy, what do you got for us? Well, you're first going to open up with a video of what looks like a woman dressed entirely in black, with black hair. She starts serenading you. You quickly realize that this is not an actual person and, and that it is in fact some sort of robot or android as it's called. And uh, it starts speaking or I guess singing to this uh, like synthesizer background music that's going on and it's exactly what you would expect a robotic voice to sound like and that coupled with the music playing in the background and the fact that her head is just sporadically turning 
while her lips move, just sends shivers right down your spine. Chris, uh, you're right. I mean, they are referring to this lady, this being, which they refer to as Tara, as uh, an android. But to me, from when you're looking at it from a distance, it, it, definitely, it definitely does look more like uh, that of a mannequin, where it has different pieces, like the hands and arms don't really match the face. The legs obviously don't move. But there are some robotics happening because the arms and hands are twisting. And as you said... The eyes look like they move, and the lips most certainly do move, and the head itself will <laughs> will swivel around. So you do not want to get too close to this thing, but now when I'm looking at this I Feel Fantastic Android that goes by the name of Tara, when I'm looking at Tara here, Chris, I mean, from a distance, this is very odd, from a distance, she looks fake. It looks very mannequin-like, but... And this is weird, bud. As the camera zooms in, the more human, at least in my opinion, Chris, the more human-like she begins to look. Because I'm looking dead at her face right now <laughs> behind the safety of my computer screen. But still, Chris, I'm looking at her. And her eyes look real. Her nose looks real. Her mouth looks real. And little buddy, I'm examining her mouth a little more closely. And now I'm seeing teeth in there. She has teeth in her mouth, Chris. Nope, I want none of that. Well, I'm sorry, pal, because you're going to get it. Because I'm going to need you to push forward. But at this point, what I want to do is just play a little bit of Tara singing, <laughs> for lack of a better word. And uh, it'll give our listeners a very uh, good idea of um, the background music that you spoke of and the tone in which Tara speaks and... Uh, <laughs> Just overall, how unnerving the whole situation is. <laughs> there, there's, there's nothing comforting about that serenade, if you ask me. No, not at all. And, and uh, this clearly looks like a homemade video. It didn't exactly have the highest of budgets, you can tell. The creepy part, other than the fact that it's some random dressed-up android whose lips are moving to the words, it kind of does these different, like, it pans close to the face, then away, and then it starts showing the android in different poses, like, like laying on the floor, weirdly. Um, and then one of them looks like... <laughs> She uh, is perhaps doing a little downward-facing dog. Yeah, or um, she had been shot. <laughs> uh, perhaps she is just trying to stay uh, nimble and, you know, a little yoga. Uh, yes, is, is that when the, the, the angle when she was on um, all fours, Chris, right? Is that the one that you're referring to? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> I thought you'd like that one. Uh, but then there was the other one, Chris, please. There was the other one where she kind of was like laying on her side. And I got really taken aback by that because... <laughs> I was watching it, and I was just expecting the creator to just make that as like a still shot. But she suddenly moves, like the hand suddenly moves, and then, and then the head jerks violently. So it, it, it's very unnerving. And like I said, I mean, they're very stiff movements, but nonetheless, I mean, body parts are rotating, Chris. 
it, it, it's really, it makes you wonder about who's uh, behind the camera, but then you start to see her change clothing and her hair changes. Yeah, she went um, from a, a brunette to a blonde. And then she went from what some would say more of a goth, a goth outfit to that of, um, I don't know, like maybe like a minivan uh, driving uh, soccer mom for, you know, lack of a, a better description. Like she has a, like a nice maybe sweater on and some pleated oh, uh, shorts. Uh, something. I'm going to have to ask you to watch your, yourself there. <laughs> uh, something of that nature, Chris. Uh, and yeah, and then there's some weird scenes of like an edit job of her, what appears to be on the ceiling, but it looks like it's likely an edit job of where she's on the floor, but the camera's flipped upside down. And it, it just, it starts to get really creepy. Oh, there's some like random shot of like a tree branch outside and it like zooms in. When you look at the, the background of this video, I mean, it just kind of adds to the lore because it looks like a, a fairly well-kept home. I mean, there's a rug, the rug looks very clean, the windows and the window sills, everything looks very clean. And uh, as you said, they were doing exterior shots where they had trees, and at one point they showed like a backyard with a pile of leaves. So to me, this looks like this could be uh, any town USA. As I, I think about this, uh, as, as we're discussing it, you know, it, it appears as if there's only one person that's, you know, filming the, the, this creature. <laughs> But, uh, you know, and, and I'm assuming it's a man because there's some videos where you see a, a set of hairy hands come into a view. However, you know, there's quite a few outfit changes and all the clothes that uh, little android Tara is wearing, they are, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Chris, they're female clothes. Well, uh, that does seem to be correct. And, uh, now this is giving me Silence of the Lamb vibes. Now yes, indeed that. it is. Because, uh, I mean, I, I if I tried doing something like this <laughs> and uh, I was <laughs> dressing this little mannequin in my wife's clothing, I mean, I, she would uh, attack me and, and probably have me put uh, in the loony bin immediately, Chris. Uh, <laughs> and that's being nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I, I get the vibe that this guy is in this house all by his lonesome doing this. I would have to imagine that, and yes, and while you uh, mentioned the cleanliness of the set, that's perhaps all that it really is. We have no idea what the rest of this place looks like. This this gives me like like those like creepy cottage vibes, like one of those places you'd find in the woods. Yes, I mean, like I said, everything looks clean. the The rug looks in pristine condition. Windows are clean. The window sills, everything looks nice. But uh, you know, like we were saying. They had the exterior shots, and it's in a wooded area, so it looks somewhat isolated to me, and, um, you know, there's piles of leaves, and as we get uh, further down the road, and we're looking into this case here, Chris, um, there's some very bizarre theories regarding that backyard, and things that may be hidden under that pile of leaves. Right you be in uh, very disturbing uh, theories behind that, and let's hope they're just old wives' tales, but this does give you the vibes, like perhaps somebody uh, is watching this video with the videographer, and perhaps they're tied up and uh, uh, watching against their will, but 
you know, that's just the vibe I get, of course. Uh, who knows what really happened? But I'm pushing through this video here, and I didn't realize just how nimble Tara is. She's doing a full-on split at 1044. <laughs> yes, dude. I mean, it is very unnerving. She's in all different awkward positions. Like I said, uh, the body parts are indeed moving, but there appears to me when I'm looking at it that there's some form of wire or connection to the back of Tara that's kind of like going off screen. So I'm assuming that those are the cables and wires that are connected to the device that is controlling Tara's actions. There, there's quite a few theories, and one happens to involve that very pile of leaves that was shown in the backyard because some of uh, the web sleuths out there put their heads together and they, they were thinking that perhaps this video was created by a serial killer. And the theory is that he would lure these victims back to his place, either by uh, persuasion or force. We don't know. But uh, as the theory goes, that he would kill these women, bury their bodies in the backyard, cover the holes with leaves, and then take their clothing off and dress Tara in their clothes and make videos as if the android is the murdered victim herself, singing, dancing, and interacting with the killer himself, proclaiming, Chris, that after what had been done to them, they still feel fantastic. What do you think about that? Well, I'm going to hope and pray with everything I have that that is not true because <laughs> that is beyond chilling. Yes, because because I, that's I went into believing that this might have actually been the case because I was like, you know, why, why else would they be panning out to that pile of leaves? Because it went out there a couple of times and just stayed focused on it. It seemed to make a lot of sense because, you know, anytime someone can make these videos where they want to hide it under the umbrella of art or not. If you're alone in a room at night and you know, it's obvious that some of these videos were filmed at night because you could see out of the windows and it is indeed nighttime, but to be able to film this by yourself and to have interactions with um, a mannequin or a robot in a very sinister way, there's gotta be something wrong. I don't care if you want to hide it under the guise of art <laughs> or you're, you're, you're making something fun for the internet. There's gotta be something wrong because if you were filming this by yourself, wouldn't you be uh, like, wouldn't you be freaked out? Oh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't look at this thing for a second, let alone see it speak and move around. This is not like something that I could imagine anybody finds mildly entertaining. It's really more just, just extremely disturbing. Yes. It's definitely an extreme <laughs> It's an extreme, it's an extreme sport or, or, or hobby, whatever you might want to call it. But Chris, unfortunately, before we went on air, you debunked this, this beautiful theory, uh, that I, I had joined in on, didn't you? you? You came across some very concrete facts that may indeed provide the answer as to who was indeed behind Tara, the angel. Jesus. <laughs> Chris, what do you got for us? Uh, well, it, it, yes, it, it, I, I wouldn't exactly say hard uh, factual evidence here uh, that I, I found. I mean, this is... <laughs> you simply read an article. 
from <laughs> exactly from uh, a Yitzi Lit is the person on uh, Medium.com that has this, and, and then they did their due diligence here. There's plenty of information, and from what he was able to gather here was that the creator of this Tara character was somebody by the name of John L. Bergeron, who resided in Burlington, Vermont. Uh, he apparently worked at IBM until 1995, and then he went to a plastic molding company called Husky. Unexpectedly, he dies uh, in his home on July 22nd of 2005, but... That may um, come across to you as a little bizarre seeing as this video is viral in 2009, but the video is actually found and it was created on DVD thereafter, uh, was actually created in December of 2004. So Chris, if I hear you correctly, and I think that I do, what you're saying here is that the dates do indeed line up to support this claim. Uh, they do. The original video was done just before uh, he actually passed away. So it kind of makes it even more eerie knowing that he created this video uh, just a mere months before he perished. Indeed it is, and the fact that he died in that very same home doesn't make it any more comforting, Chris. (laughs) Not in the least. This also leads to the other claim that perhaps he was killed by Tara. Yeah, that is one of the theories too, Chris, because (laughs) one of the theories was that she did indeed kill her creator, and then she begins singing this tune, I Feel Fantastic. But that's the great thing about these kind of videos, because they often have no solid answers. They keep us guessing for years to come. And uh, we may never get a decisive answer on uh, the background of the I Feel Fantastic video because there is still so much speculation going on to this very day. So like I said, it went viral in 2009, disappeared for a little bit, made a resurgence, went dormant again, and it seems now to be gaining in popularity once again. So, Chris, your guess is as good as mine. I really don't know what's going on behind uh, the scenes here of the I Feel Fantastic video, but I can tell you one thing. I do not like it. Agreed. I will not uh, speculate as to what I think actually happened. I <laughs> yeah, just want I, this to be over. I, I, I think it's best you don't, Chris, but unfortunately our night is about to go from bad to worse because we are not out of the woods just yet. Because like I said, this is more of a potluck episode, if you will, Chris. Because like I said in the beginning, we have quite a few different pieces of media that we are indeed going to be talking about. So the next one that I found, Chris, is even more disturbing than the I Feel Fantastic video. I'm talking about the piece of lost media that is still largely missing to this very day. But that is the 1970 documentary entitled Heartbeat in the Brain. Now, you know me, Chris, as a podcast host and researcher, I take my job very seriously. With that said, I did my due diligence and I went digging deep into the darkest corners of the internet to see if I could indeed find 
any bits or pieces of <laughs> this documentary entitled Heartbeat in the Brain. And uh, I did, Chris. I did happen to dig up something. <laughs> uh, I dug up a few clips on uh, uh, YouTube, if you must know the truth. But nonetheless, it did show uh, bits and pieces of uh, this doc. And uh, as the name implies, this documentary does involve uh, something to do with the brain. As I said, it's set in 1970, and it follows the story of a young woman by the name of Amanda Fielding. And Amanda, thankfully and luckily for her, she is still indeed alive. She was an advocate of trepanation. And uh, for those of you that may not know what trepanation is, much like myself before I found this, trepanation is a surgical intervention in which a hole <laughs> is drilled or scraped into the human skull. The intentional perforation of the cranium exposes the dermer mata to treat health problems related to intracranial diseases or release pressured blood buildup from an injury. So that's what Wikipedia tells me, Chris. But nonetheless, uh, given that information, do you think you could take a little gander <laughs> of what this heartbeat in the brain documentary might be about? I would hope it's about the, the brain of some sort. Yes. So uh, as the story goes, and as I had the unfortunate uh, viewing pleasure of watching this, uh, young Amanda here in 1978, she was uh, 28 years old, I believe, she performs the act of self-trepanation. And uh, the story actually unfolds where she was trying to get uh, a number of doctors to perform this uh, procedure on her to see if it could increase her level of consciousness and uh, therefore uh, help her live on a, a, a much higher spiritual plane than the rest of us. I guess that's what she was looking into researching. She was a, a proponent of cannabis, uh, MDMA, LSD, and uh, other uh, psychotropic uh, medicines, for lack of a better word, uh, that were popular at the time in the early 70s. And, and they're still popular today, Chris. What the hell can I tell you? But nonetheless, she couldn't find anybody to perform this on her. And rightfully so, I would say. I mean, she was a young, healthy woman. So uh, she takes us on the journey of self-trepanation, Chris. <laughs> and uh, as the, the term self-trepanation implies... She performed that very operation herself. So the part of the documentary that I was able to view has uh, young Amanda, a beautiful young lady, I might add, in front of uh, a mirror. She's sitting there. And uh, at this point, she proceeds to take a drill and begin drilling through the top of her head, Chris. And it's actually blurred out. Uh, the video that I watched, but you can indeed see um, uh, a large amount of blood begin to spew down her face and all over her lap and, and, and the clothing garments that she's wearing. And in addition to that, it does appear that I'm seeing little chunks of skin, perhaps, for, for lack of a better uh, <laughs> description, falling into her lap as well. Anyway... Young Amanda is sitting there and she begins drilling through her head, Chris. She's performing this operation as she's looking directly into the mirror. And it's giving even a more sinister vibe to this whole thing. Because you got to remember, too, it's in the early 70s. It's grainy footage. 
she's sitting there looking into the mirror, so you're getting a different angle from what she's doing. And first and foremost, Chris, she's drilling a hole in her goddamn head. It's, uh, it's, uh, I don't really even know what to say about that. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. So anyway, you know, she continues to film uh, this procedure and lo and behold, she completes it. She completes the drilling where she's able to open up her cranium, not touching the brain, obviously, and alleviate some of the pressure that she was looking to uh, release and therefore open up... Uh, uh, the, 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 the blood uh, highway there, right? To let the blood flow a, a little more freely in hopes that, as we said, it would increase her level of consciousness and in turn, hopefully alleviate any kind of ailment which may have been befalling her at the time. And uh, I was able to see another part of the clip, Chris, where she's cleaning herself up. And now there is, listen, man, I I'm glad that this is kind of lost media for the most part. I mean, there are bits and pieces making its way back onto the internet, and you can find different portions of it if you go do a, a deeper search, much more deeper than I was willing to go, But because uh, I had seen enough, Chris. But uh, you can find a little bit of it on YouTube. So after she's done drilling, there's blood everywhere. There's blood everywhere, man. She wraps herself up, uh, you know, she's changing, and she, she's sitting there very, very passively, you know, which makes it all the more unnerving. She's not nervous. She doesn't seem upset. She's just a matter of fact about what she had done. <laughs> that was drilling a hole into her own head, Chris. I'm not talking just a superficial little cut, Chris. She went into the skull and drilled a fucking hole in her head. So, I mean, just watching that alone might be saying something about myself, Chris. I don't know. But sitting there and watching it uh, made me very queasy. But uh, nonetheless, she finishes the operation here and uh, wraps her head up. And then, uh, you know what they do next, Chris? No. What happens? She and uh, her confidant proceed to go out to dinner. Yes, they, they go to a restaurant. They go to a restaurant, Chris, with her head completely bandaged. <laughs> with a, a, a yes, cork in it. Yes, <laughs> put a wine bottle cork <laughs> into the thing and stitched it right up. But the thing with this is, uh, I mean, it, it's out there to see if you want. But to you know, as I was able to dig deeper into uh, this, because I, I, I thought this might have been like uh, some kind of like you know student art project or like a horror film or a, a very low budget B horror film from uh, the early seventies. But uh, no man, it was indeed real. And as I did some digging, I found out that the first public screening of it was in 1978 at the Sidem gallery in New York. <laughs> and uh, you're not going to believe the reaction that the old hipsters, it, well, wasn't New York infiltrated by hipsters in the uh, mid seventies. I don't think so. Uh, it was still the disco era, right? I believe you're talking about now. Yes, now. But I'm talking... So this is 1978 in uh, New York. So you're still deep into the heart of uh, the disco era and, uh, you know, the whole drug culture there. So you would think that they would be very much into this. But no, Chris. <laughs> because it's reported at the viewing, audience members were fainting. Because I'm telling you, just from the little bit that I watched, I was getting very queasy. And I'm not joking with you. I'm not trying to make a joke. I was getting sick to my stomach because she's <laughs> she's drilling this thing into her head. You hear the drill going, and you, it's, you can hear it hitting shit, you know? Like, you know, it's, 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 it's digging in there. And the blood's just flowing. They're, they're, they're blurring spots out. And it, I mean, I, I don't even like thinking about it, man. And I kind of do wish I didn't see it. And, and there's very 
bizarre music playing in the background too, which I, I, I did not care for. But anyway, these audience members down at this gallery in which it was viewed had the same reaction I did. They didn't care for it. And if it's not going over well with a 1970s New York City crowd, it's not going to go over well with anybody, bud. Yeah, she's lucky she didn't f- fucking lobotomize herself by accident. Yeah, man. And then, like, just to... to, to <laughs> you're not kidding. Uh, but luckily, uh, you know, I, I looked into uh, the fate of Olamanda, and apparently, luckily, she is still alive. And her wiki page says that Amanda is still, to this day, an English drug policy reformer, a lobbyist, and a research coordinator... And she founded the Foundation of Further Consciousness, which basically is a foundation which uh, supports neuroscientific and clinical research into the effects of psychoactive substances on the brain, Chris. So, (laughs) I mean, she's been in this game a long time. And if you could survive uh, drilling a hole in your head, I mean, more power to you. But uh, like I said, man, like I, I really thought that this was a very interesting piece of lost media. And uh, just, just to wrap this up, the, the film itself uh, I found out on uh, lostmediawiki.com was uh, thought by many to be completely lost due to the few screenings <laughs> and how people were reacting to it. And, 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 and can you blame them? However, it says here that the film was screened, was screened again in April of 2011 at the Institute of of contemporary arts in London. But get this, the entire film has never, ever resurfaced online. There are just snippets of it, like pieces that I've seen. But apparently as of 2021, new clips of the film are starting to surface uh, on season three, uh, episode six, apparently, of a show called Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia. And uh, like I said in the opening of the show, Chris... As technology continues to uh, improve, more of these pieces of lost media are going to be coming to light. And I would not be surprised within the next few years if we do not find the entire documentary in its full glory for all of our viewing pleasure. Yikes. (laughs) Yikes indeed. So Chris, uh, I promise you this, my vow to you is if I do indeed find the entire documentary... I will be having a showing for a one-man audience, bud. And that audience member will be you. I unfortunately will be sick that day. (laughs) So, Chris, I mean, we are really running behind in this episode. We're not going to be able to get to everything. So we might have to end up making this a two-parter at some point down the road. But I, I, I thought... In true BTC fashion, that we want to kind of leave uh, our, our listeners off on on a positive note, on, on something that we can all kind of <laughs> maybe get a, a, a laugh out of, or maybe even a smile or two, Chris. That's why I thought we would save the best <laughs> for last. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, but uh, we have uh, a cartoon, uh, a piece of cartoon lost media. That was brought to uh, my intention. More specifically, it's a SpongeBob episode that took place in uh, Brazil, in which um, something very bizarre happened to unfortunate little lads that happened to be watching this very tune on that fateful day. Chris, what you got for us? Well, uh, one unfortunate day in uh, Rio... uh, just before the Olympics were about to start. Are you talking about Rio de Janeiro? Um, I'm 
I'm sorry, you're gonna have to pronounce that again. You said Mre Ndejna. I I think from what I'm gathering, what you mean is Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> yes, because uh, please, are we in Brazil? Is that what you're getting at? <laughs> we are indeed, and uh, we are uh, jumping into the cartoon, uh, the famous cartoon and well-known SpongeBob SquarePants. Have you ever seen an episode of this? I, I've never watched it once in my life. I have randomly. Uh, you know whether or not there were kids watching it. It just happens to be on or something. It's is it like one know, of those things? Stupid that, humor. Is it like one of those cartoons like The Simpsons? Like I feel like it's been around forever. Is this thing like been around for like 30, 40 years already? Um, it's a, it's a little. Uh, it's it has been around for a long time. It's it's kind of reminds me more of. Uh, do you remember Cartoon Network? Uh, are you asking me if I remember the network, Chris? <laughs> yeah, that, that uh, yes, I, I, I've heard network. of it. But Chris, I, I'm I'm a child of the '70s and '80s. I, I mean, I, I can reference uh, uh, Mighty Mouse and and like the Jetsons and stuff like that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not familiar with the the Cartoon Network, Chris, and I resent you judging me for that. <laughs> well, they had different things like Ed and Nettie, and uh, I think Ren and Stimpy or stuff. Are yes, I've heard that, of them. That could have been Nickelodeon. Who knows? But more of uh, those like kind of like not. Not Looney Tune type stuff. A little more on the adult side of things. That's all, folks. Thank you for that. Continue, Chris. But yes, this this was a episode of SpongeBob SquarePants. I'm I'm going to emphasize the pants here because what happens? No, no, no! I know what you're getting at, Chris. But our listeners might not know yet, Chris. Well, we we don't appreciate the the, the, the coy nature of your tone and the insinuations I might add. <laughs> well, uh, perhaps uh, this is uh, a very unfortunate situation. But while hundreds of children were apparently watching this one particular episode in uh, Rio. De Janeiro, uh, right before the Olympics, as I had mentioned, they began to have uncontrollable bowel movements. Uh, in in layman's terms, uh, they started to shit their pants. As, as, as children do. I mean, how old were these children, Chris? Are we talking two, maybe? Maybe, maybe three? I don't really know the ages, but uh, uh, apparently uh, it was no laughing matter because as the... Uh, the uh, <laughs> As the defecation continued on to the point... <laughs> As the defecation oh. mounted. <laughs> yes. As it mounted, uh, <laughs> no, it no. apparently led to a hospitalization. Oh, no. Well, I mean, we don't uh, want the it, children to be sick. No, 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 not at all. But uh, so uh, this unfortunate episode of Spongebob Brown Pants, uh, <laughs> I, I think as we should all refer to it as now... Uh, was from an apparent glitch or some sort of hijacking of the cartoon that perhaps or somehow was sending through uh, some sort of uh, messages or flashes of some sort, you know, kind of actually how um, kids may be subjected to seizures and stuff, you know, through flashing and this and that, but something of this sort that caused these uh, uncontrollable... Urges. I mean, as we found this uh, this story, Chris, uh, it got me thinking. I mean, like, how could this even possibly be be real? So uh, I, I started digging, 
And uh, I came across something uh, known as the brown note. And I'm not kidding. Uh, allow me to uh, give a definition here. The brown note, also sometimes called the, the brown frequency or brown, no <laughs> brown noise, <laughs> is a hypothetical infrasonic frequency capable, Chris, of causing fecal incontinence by creating acoustic resonance in the human bowel. Apparently, this is considered to be an urban myth, but some believe that it is indeed true. And and get this, Chris, do you happen to remember that TV show called Mythbusters where it was like, there were like three hosts. There were, I think, two guys and a girl and they would kind of like test all these uh, urban legends and myths out. Do you remember that? It was like, the, oh, a bunch yes. of, they were like, the guys are like two nerds and shit like that. And apparently it came out that they didn't like each other. Like they hated each other in real life. So that, that's the only <laughs> thing I, I remember about it. But apparently they actually tested this theory and, uh, <laughs> They were uh, putting uh, the brown note to the test. They were doing this through a series of frequencies uh, via decibels of sound pressure. Apparently, their findings said that, <laughs> that this myth was indeed just that, a myth. Because apparently, on that fateful program, none of the Mythbusters shit the very pants that they wore. However, however, Chris, as I dug a little deeper into this, many out on the internet... <laughs> on these lost media forums tend to believe that indeed, at least Chris, at least one of the three hosts did indeed shat themselves. Well, I was just going to say, even if they did prove that it was a myth, you'd never know otherwise, because I doubt they'd fess up if they had shat themselves i mean who you're absolutely right because if you were you know subject to the adverse effects of the brown note who would would be forthcoming enough to admit that they had shit their pants on live television uh i sure as hell wouldn't <laughs> so so chris i mean i just to give some validity to uh the, the this spongebob uh, episode you know that there is some validity to the claims that there could be some kind of frequency out there that causes uh loose bowels but uh back to the unfortunate children that were watching uh this spongebob episode uh as you had mentioned <laughs> they all kind of shit in unison if i'm correct right chris i guess as far as we know uh they were kind of harmonizing I on the brown note if you will. <laughs> uh, well, uh, as you were referring to uh, acoustic resonance, uh, I guess, uh, a.k.a. <laughs> oh, no, no, come on, man. I knew that was coming. That was so unfortunate and unnecessary. <laughs> we, 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 we are talking about these poor children in Brazil, Riatajna, uh, of all places, and you're <laughs> mocking them by playing something that obviously is not the brown note, Chris. There's nothing to be ashamed of about this. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, this this is the piece of lost media because apparently this episode has never been found. I have come across a couple of clips where people are claiming that it is indeed the episode, but there's really nothing substantial to back it up. Like, there's nothing to back any of this up, Chris. So, 
We don't know. Apparently, <laughs> apparently nobody was backed up that, 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 that morning, Chris. <laughs> if indeed this happens to be true, I mean, it sounds like pure evil. I mean, who would do this to these poor children? The fact that that even can happen, if let's hope it can, that this is all fake, uh, is <laughs> very unfortunate. I would hate to be sitting down watching uh, a favorite show of mine and uh <laughs> for you i mean you're newly married bud you, you don't need this to transpire on some television program that you and your lovely wife are, are watching and then all of a sudden <laughs> have all hell break loose whilst enjoying a nice uh, evening meal no less <laughs> But, uh, Chris, uh, I don't know, man. I, I don't know what to believe on this one. I, to me, it just seems like a, you know, like a funny urban legend, but apparently it was linked in with, uh, you know, the lost media and cartoon conspiracies as, uh, this being, uh, a piece of lost media that did have an adverse effect on <laughs> any of the poor, uh, viewers that happen to be watching it. And in this case, uh, young children, I mean, my God, if anything, we got to protect the kids from this type of nonsense. And uh, like I said, I wanted to end on uh, something uh, a little more cheerful <laughs> than, uh, you know, you know, creepy mannequins or uh, drilling holes in one's head. So uh, we ended on that ridiculous piece. But as I mentioned earlier on in the show, we might end up doing a disturbing media part two because there is quite a bit of fascinating material out there. I have tons of notes on tons of other things I wanted to cover, but... Uh, as uh, we always do, Chris, we had a tendency to get very long-winded and uh, uh, go off track. So I have quite a bit of editing ahead of me for this episode. So I think this is a good point to call it quits for the night, Chris. What do you say? Oh, do I ever agree? <laughs> because I am burning alive out here in the BTZRF. I don't know. It was about 65 degrees when I got out here, and suddenly it's 95 degrees. And that's not something you want, especially after being exposed to the elusive brown note. Self-destruct sequence activated. So, Chris, uh, let me get the rundown so we can get the hell out of here for the night. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com, or you can get in touch with us on Facebook or Instagram, Between the Cracks Podcast, on uh, both of those sites. If you would like to become one of our lovely patrons, please feel free to click on the link in the show notes. So, uh, Chris, without any further ado, what do you say we wish the fine, fine people out in podcast land the fondest? Oh. A farewells. Come on. Whoa. Only we can make an episode that. <laughs>